Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so very much for tuning in. This is a very special two-part episode. We couldn't be more over the moon. And shout out to our super producer, the one and only Max Williams. I'm Ben. Uh, Noel, you know, we're, uh, we, we, I would say that we're not the worst, uh, worst people when it comes to dating, right? Put ben, ourselves out there. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not the worst historically, because uh, that's what we talk about here. Um, but also, I got a comment, Ben. Your excitement level, I think, is like uh, two clicks higher than it usually is, and I think it's for good reason. Yeah, yeah, Noel. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to come in hot because we have we have some special guests on the show today. You and I have talked about our good friends on uh, Ridiculous Romance, which is the next step in what we're calling the Ridiculous Universe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the we R- were talking- The R-U, the E-R-U, the, R-U. the Extended Ridiculous Universe. There we go, yes. <laughs> yes! And we are, uh, we are excited today because we are talking about weird courtship rituals. The course of love, it said, never did run smooth, uh, but it got pretty much derailed yeah. multiple times. It, it, multiple it, it can definitely run weird. It doesn't run smooth, but it definitely runs weird. And we are joined today to our mutual delight by Diana and Eli from Ridiculous Romance. Welcome. Hey, hey. thanks for having us, guys. Yeah, so awesome to be here. Very excited. Thanks for being here. We've got a, a Max, uh, thanks for putting in that applause cue as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was a cue? Was oh, nice. yeah. See, uh, peek behind the curtain. We <laughs> don't like hear that. that now, but it's there as though it was always meant to be. It's sort of like uh, Jack Nicholson in The Overlook. He, he's always been there the whole time. Mm-hmm. So I'm just conditioned applause. to hear thunderous applause when I hear my name. So it, I just hear it anyway. I didn't realize it was coming from the outside. That's a good yeah. survival instinct in comedy, I think. <laughs> yeah. as, is, as is modesty. Modesty is a very important <laughs> comedy instinct. 
<laughs> Eli's always telling me, because uh, we've known each other for a number of years, he's always said, I am, he is the most modest person I will ever meet. And it's probably it's true. true. It's one of my greatest traits among many. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to pick one. Uh, so, so uh, Diana, Eli, could you all tell us a little bit about Ridiculous Romance and, and what it is, how it came together and some episodes you really enjoyed? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you want, oh. Well, I can start if you want. Do it. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. So Ridiculous Romance was an idea that initially, Ben, you came to us with uh, mm -hmm. in, in talking about wanting to expand the Ridiculous universe. And uh, you said, hey, you guys are a married couple. You've done sketch comedy together for many years. Uh, we have worked together in creating and comedy and all kind of stuff as, as long as we've known each other, even longer than a little bit longer than we've been dating. That's true. Um, and now <laughs> just we've been a little bit. just a little bit, <laughs> only a few years. And then uh, and now we've been married for three, almost four, nope. four going on five years now. Yeah. <laughs> got it. You got a nope there, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> Are we, is this, uh, can this uh, marriage last? Uh, we'll find out. Well, we've been together for 13 years, so hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> it's all just been a big, beautiful blur. That's what it is. So we decided that uh, we should put our comedy stylings and our romantic history to, to good use. Mm -hmm. And dig through history and find other bizarre, strange, random, freaky, awesome <laughs> couples. Um, freaky. And, uh, and tell their stories uh, in, our, in yeah. our trademarked, ridiculous way. Well, and at first we were like, well, I don't know. This one seems like it would be hard to find enough couples to make an episode, make a whole year of episodes. And then we looked it up and we're like, oh, actually, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. People are crazy. So <laughs> there's been so many great stories so far, and we have so many more to get to. It's it's going to be awesome. And I'm not going to lie. I'm actually a little jealous because Ben and I arbitrarily placed a rule on Ridiculous History where we <laughs> only do shows like leading up to apartheid or topics leading up to apartheid because we had a topic That's the line. that was... That's it's the, the line. I, I know it seems weird, but it was because there was one particular topic about like this gorilla that, that that did a thing. He like I think he caught a criminal in South Africa that was running away from the authorities during apartheid. Um, and that was in like 93 or 94. And we both thought it was remarkable that a historical event as epic and uh, meaningful as apartheid happened in the 90s. So we were like, you know what? True. This is okay. it. This is yeah. the cutoff mm -hmm. for us. But y'all uh, go a little more recent than that, because honestly, we history do. is being written uh, as we live. As Ben says, it would be uh, considered uh, something of a palimpsest, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that word. Yeah. What a word. I like that. It's Ben's word. He, he trademarked it. That's a, that's a good one. <laughs> so I, I say this, all this to say that your most recent episode is one that I'm excited to listen to about Sid Vicious and Nancy Spungen. Spungen? Yeah. I never know Spungen how to say. Spungen is what I've, I've okay. uncovered. Yeah. Well, I assure you, you will have some people writing into you to tell you how you pronounced it incorrectly. But, oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm looking it's, forward to it. Uh, it's like you say in the description for the show, sort of a weird punk rock Romeo and Juliet story for the ages that ends very, very poorly. Uh, spoiler mm -hmm. alert, but um, it's, a, it's one that I'm excited to listen to. 
It's a very intense episode. That was a it was a difficult one to research because they are both such tragically horrible, miserable people yes. uh, who did nothing but bad things almost the whole time. <laughs> yeah, time individually and yeah. to each other. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So we're kind of pissed at them the whole episode. Like, ah, what are you doing? Good Lord. It's but like when you okay. see the woman in the horror movie that keeps running up the stairs. Yes. Or yes. Like why? Into the, why? Oh. You know. Get have you not together, watched movies? Watch. Make one good choice, please. One good well, choice. A single one is fine. <laughs> yeah, it's right up there with the person who hears a noise in a horror movie and goes, what is that? Who's there? <laughs> uh, yeah. That's if we're speaking of poor choices, but y- you guys have made some really excellent choices in your show and peek behind the curtain. I, I think we told you all this, but not on air. So we'll go forward with it. Uh, Noel and I got together after listening to some of the first episodes and had a little bit of uh, Dark Knight of the Podcast Soul. We actually went and uh, we actually went and got some beers together. We're like, is their show, are they funnier than us? (laughs) (laughs) We were, we were, we were worried. And then, you know, uh, two, three beers later, we're like, It'll be fine as long as they don't do an episode on our relationship. Right. And then two or three oh, beers that are like, no. no, no, we're definitely funnier. <laughs> it's not <laughs> a competition. It's not a competition. Yeah. No, but it's, yeah. we're, it's two different shows. Um, you guys definitely are able to venture maybe into the more uh, raunchy side of things, especially as la, la. romance is concerned. I mean, you're going to get into some raunch. It really oh, yeah. does. Uh, yeah. Yes. Sometimes more than others. What was our raunchiest episode yet so far? Oh, well, I guess it depends on who you are. Yeah. <laughs> and One how, what you consider to be raunchy. Yeah, I guess. Is another's vanilla ice cream. Yeah. I mean, we had, we did like um, William Marston and his, uh, and Elizabeth and Olive, and they kind of had like a polyamorous thing going on with like some bondage action, and they invented Wonder Woman. And all of that is kind of wrapped up in her character. So that was kind of raunchy, oh, they I guess. Had, uh, like we talked they about had some BDSM. Sex cult. And yeah, that's mm, true. Love a good sex um, cult. The Evelyn Nesbitt, Harry Thaw, Stanford White one had a lot of nasty sex cult type oh, sex yeah. club, I guess I should say, rather than a cult. But it's like a yeah, a hot sex club action from the turn of the century. <laughs> <laughs> so so <laughs> you will learn those stories in full and even when they're heavy topics. You've got the uh, Ben and Noel ridiculous guarantee that you'll still you'll still have fun. You'll still learn something. Uh, I particularly love the reenactments you all do. Uh, not to not to put you on the spot today, but we uh, we were working on weird ideas or ostensibly weird ideas of courtship throughout human history. And so Noel and I decided uh, that we needed to go to the experts, uh, <laughs> which <laughs> which meant that we are we wanted to uh, lean on you all's expertise because we know that already you found so many so many strange, surprising things like you just blew my mind at least about um, romance in the world of pirates. Uh, so we thought, uh, who better? to help our fellow ridiculous historians explore the trials and tribulations of dating and uh, marriage or trying to get married than Diana and Eli, the host of Ridiculous Romance. Uh, I wish that we could just publish our group thread for this episode (laughs) because, Noel, I think it's fair to say that all four of us we're just firing on all pistons with some great ideas. And we kept thinking like, okay, we've got to, we got to trim these down. 
They just picked them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There were definitely pistons involved. I do have to say, researching this was kind of fun because when you Google uh, strange courtship rituals, you get a lot of stuff about the animal kingdom. Um, yeah. It kind of right. comes up first and foremost. So we, we had to dig a little deeper in our Googlings. But um, <laughs> what say you? Uh, we lead off with Diana. You found a particularly fascinating, ridiculous courtship uh, that we're going to talk about right now. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts of a spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right. No, it's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Yeah, I went I went for the Puritans because, you know, they're so prudish. I was kind of like, surely they have some weird, you know, awkward stuff that would be fun. Only um, people and I, to actually ban Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, really? The yeah. They wow. banned Christmas? They thought it was pagan. Oh, well. I mean, well, to true. be fair, it's a little pagan. <laughs> that is yeah. true. <laughs> Mistletoe, very pagan. Well, anyway, but they actually, um, I was surprised to learn, didn't have anything anything against sex at all. It was just, it had to be within marriage. But they really wanted you to be sexually compatible because then you would go forth and multiply and, you know, bring forth a lot more Christians and Puritans. Mm -hmm. And so they were actually had quite a few rituals that kind of allowed you in their very strict way to get to know each other and kind of like flirt a little bit and figure out if you actually liked each other. And so there were a couple of these that I thought were so fun. For example, the courtship tube. 
Is this sort of a hole in the sheet kind of situation? The, uh, kind of. It's, it's like, say you, you know, Noel, you're very interested in, in me, Goody Proctor. <laughs> and you, yes, <laughs> you want to come over to my house and, and see if maybe we have something to do with each other. And in a Puritan house, it's very small. You have your whole family in the same room with you. Whoa. And usually if you come over to see a girl, grandma's going to sit in between y'all. So it's not, I mean... I don't know about y'all, but I would be not interested in no, being sexy. <laughs> not the biggest turn on. Grandma in the room. Unless that's your thing. Unless that's your thing, you know. Well, yeah. well, describe the grandma. No, I'm kidding. Oh, you're <laughs> right. Depends on the grandma. Depends on the grandma. Um, so what they would do if they wanted to have a private conversation was bust out the six to eight foot long talking tube, basically, <laughs> that they could put on each other's ears, even behind grandma's back. So they could whisper at each other like a tin can phone situation, mm-hmm. I oh, guess. Social distancing. Okay. Right? I was like, great COVID protocol, first of all. Where why, where was this? Well, <laughs> last year, I could have been. I love your mask. I think I we just... call that the internet is what we call it. <laughs> right. Yeah, the, we don't the, the need mod- that anymore. The day, uh, what is it called? The romance tube? I don't know why I'm. The courting the, tube. Court- the courting or the courting tube. stick. Oh, Either gosh. way. But a stick to me doesn't seem like it's hollow. So no. I like a tube. Unless it's bamboo. <laughs> Well, true. That's a good point. Uh, maybe it is made of bamboo. I doubt it because it was in New England. <laughs> what I love is the discretion. Right. Uh, you know, grandma will never know. <laughs> sling this six foot stick behind well, her back. I mean, admittedly, grandma's hearing's going a little bit. So <laughs> probably a good whisper would have done the trick. But I love the ritual of this. And that's sort of mm-hmm. the the red thread in, in, in this two part episode is, the, is these rituals. It becomes yeah. a little more like almost uh, rather than functional. It's got this kind of like ritualistic quality. So I think that's fascinating. Yeah. Also, in defense of the matriarch, a question here. Uh, it's probably older, right? Her amorous mm-hmm. days may be behind her. So there's a, there's a little bit of a possible like vicarious titillation, you know, because they could probably hear this stuff and they're like, ooh, it's talking about ankles. Oh, maybe My so. word. Oh, I no. wonder if there was any sort of like generational, uh, like if this was a new technology grandma didn't understand. <laughs> Are these kids, kids these days with their tubes? <laughs> Back in my day, we wrote a letter. Yeah. How how common was this? I think Do it was pretty common. It was pretty common because uh, this was the only way to kind of get to know a, a girl more officially. I think Ooh. they had surely some some uh, less, some more casual kind of like, let's walk next to each other on the way to church maybe one day <laughs> and chat. But if he wanted to come over and, like, make his intentions known Mm. that he's, like, actually really seriously interested in this girl, I think they would pretty commonly have this. And I kind of wondered, like you, Eli, I was like, I wonder if the tube got shorter over time and they'd be like, (laughs) five feet. No, no. (laughs) It's got to be six to eight. Well, also, like, is the tube is the tube blessed by a cl- member of the clergy? Is this a community tube? Is there a tube per household? I have so many questions. Oh, I wonder wow. that, too. I was like, does he bring the tube with him or mm-hmm. is it already there and everyone has one? Is it also yeah. for like mom and dad to kind of be like, hey, when I get busy tonight or something like <laughs> over the oh, kids' yeah. heads? I mean, <laughs> how, how many potential romances were ruined because... <laughs> Because, no uh, you know, Elijah forgot his tube at home. Oh, no. Elijah, you gotta how, come prepared, man. How scandalous if you find that someone has reused the tube, Ooh. you know? Mm. And it's like, that's the same tube you had with uh, 
Goody Walthrop. Unclean. <laughs> Unclean. Uh, and then my other, other question would be like, uh, is it, I, I wonder if they became heirlooms, you know, if there's uh, mm, some mother right. yeah, like, or some father who's like, <laughs> I'm going to pick on you, Eli. He's like, Elias, my boy, come here. <laughs> You're 12 now and it's time you became a man. <laughs> here, here ye is my courting tube and my rifle <laughs> and my muskets <laughs> and the parts of the Bible I agree with go exactly. forth oh. or the mom pulls it out from under the bed and is like telling her daughter like it was with this tube that your father first told me he loved me he wooed oh. me Aww. the old She's tube like, oh. I can't wait till a boy uses a tube with me <laughs> like ew I, I found my mom's tube when I was ew, around you touched her tube so gross <laughs> You gotta get your tubes tied after that. That's, uh, that's <laughs> so, so what? What? Okay, so let's assume maybe that this this conversation goes really well. They mm -hmm. manage to do their whatever. Um, Tube it up. Yeah, yeah. They're, what's that guy Snake from who always sneaks around in video games? Metal, heavy metal. Yeah, metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Solid. Metal solid Gear Snake. Solid. He's just solid snake. Solid snake. Solid, yeah. Okay, so they solid snake the grandma. <laughs> And she it did like oh, that sounds really, really, really bad. That sounds like <laughs> well, we managed to make it past courting stick without mm -hmm. calling it a euphemism. So we're we're doing all right. We're doing yeah. all right. Solid we're snake the grandma. Yeah. That's going on. Yeah, so they solid sticker. snake the grandma, yeah. and um, yeah. and and then they hit it off. They've got a, like a lot in common, or you know they they reveal that they each like each other. Then I mean, mm -hmm. what happens next? Like when do you? How long do you tube it? Well, I don't actually know how long you would tube, but as soon as you were like, oh, yeah, I like tubing with this guy. I need to know more. I need to get I need to get further into this relationship. He would go to your parents and say, or let's say I'm I'm goody, I guess, <laughs> before she's goody. Right. <laughs> I'm really quickly, though, just for, for the audience, goody was just a generic term for a woman. I think it means good wife. So I'm okay. pretty good wife. I'm Got not it. a wife yet. Got I'm it. A, Got it, got I think got you would say good, like Mrs. was Goody, um, Goody Proctor. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you're real into each other, he'd go to the parents and be like, "Hey, I'd kind of like to take this to the next level." And the parents were like, "On it." But again, you know, they all share personal space. There's not a lot of privacy in Puritan society. So what they would do is have you come over on a Saturday night because it's Saturday, mm -hmm. you know, the night for flirting and forgetting mm -hmm. it on. And so what they would do is they would put, they would tie the girl's ankles together and then put her in a sack and that tied at her waist or at her neck. And then they would put her in the sack in her bed. And then you, the boy, would have to be fully clothed, sometimes also put in a sack, but not always. And then you would get in the bed as well. And they would put a thick plank of wood in between the two of you and you would get to spend the night together. Okay, so is there a hole in the plank of wood? I'm sorry, I keep harping on... I'm sorry. No, you gotta, you gotta bring your own plank if you want to have a hole in it. <laughs> but this was really interesting because it sounds... I mean, I was like, uh, please don't tie me up and put me in a sack. That sounds so claustrophobic. I'm so scared. And why are we sleeping in the same bed before we even, I mean, kissed and stuff? So far, we've been eight feet apart. <laughs> I don't think we've held hands. 
Um, apparently, the idea, though, was that you would get to know each other really well. You'd get a little time together, uh, you know, hours of the night. You'd get to see if you actually wanted to wake up next to this person for the rest of your life. And they kind of expected, like, some handsy stuff to happen. They sort of expected you to kind of do some heavy petting. But the board was there so that you wouldn't actually get pregnant. Although apparently that was not super successful (laughs) because in the 17th century before they started this practice, which is called bundling, by the way, uh, it was like 10% of women were pregnant when they got married. And after they started bundling, it was 40%. (laughs) So a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of them just went ahead and anticipated their vows, you might say. And went ahead and took care of business in that bed. That but is the such theory a classy like, phrase. Mm-hmm. I know. They anticipated their bow, their vow. Oh, I probably wouldn't I use it on our podcast, but <laughs> 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 but yeah, they uh, they 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 were kind of like at least if we if you get pregnant if you mess up and you have sex like you're not supposed to wag wag. Um, we know who it is. There's a million witnesses to who was over here last <laughs> night. So you're getting married, <laughs> even if you didn't intend to. Uh, so it's kind of worked out pretty well, <laughs> I guess, for all involved. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. Do you guys want to sit fully clothed in a bag <laughs> with a board I mean, next to you? Why? why I, my question is, why aren't clothes enough? Why do you need the extra layer of the bag? Uh, clothes come off, Noel. Clothes well, so come can off. bags. <laughs> I know, right? I thought the same thing. I guess it was just like, you have so many layers, it's like too annoying. Was the bag like a tube, a new technology at the time that mystified and and confused people? No, it was, it came from uh, Ireland and rural UK societies and the Puritans brought it with them and it got very popular. Apparently it enjoyed a a little revival among Amish communities in the 1960s and some, and like up until the 90s or something, they were doing it. I, I guess my thing is this, like the the dress, you know, we Ben and I literally just did an episode on the history of underwear, and we know mm-hmm. about this period. Like the dress was very prohibitive in terms of getting it mm-hmm. off, even right. using the bathroom. So it just seems like a little extra to to insist on including this bag when you already are wearing like you know your outer gear and then your shift or whatever that you have tucked in, and mm-hmm. it's very difficult to get off. It takes like a lot of doing. So it's just it really speaks to the purity of the Puritans that they would insist on this extra layer uh, yeah. of uh, prohibitive, you know, fabric between a man and a woman. Plus this board. There's a whole board. Yeah, I forgot all about the board. <laughs> but we, we also have to remember that uh, this is a little bit of speculation, but people at this time probably had fewer, let's say, outlets for uh, their amorous impulses and therefore were a little more likely to be excited and go the extra mile, right? To actually have a sexual experience. Mm. Yeah. And you would have to because to your point, Noel, you're not only wearing so many clothes, plus a sack, plus blankets on the bed, plus a board, but also your whole family sleeps in the same room. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) you got to be real quiet with all that wrestling you're going to be doing if you don't want to wake up anybody. Oh, the handsy stuff happens. And then they hear just in the darkness, the grandmother either say, hold on, which is bad and embarrassing or (laughs) nice, which is way worse. (laughs) She's like, mm, I don't think he's the one for you, doll. <laughs> he didn't really have a lot of finesse. I could tell. The girl says, wait, wait. <laughs> Is anyone awake? No. <laughs> Just a chorus of no. No. From the room. Well, Sleeping this is- tight. 
way tougher than dating in uh well this this is way tougher than dating in the modern age i guess yeah 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 but it is funny because yeah right i i don't want to deal with the sack either nobody tie me by the ankles or that just feels very coffin it's not a turn on for you (laughs) no somehow it's not not for me. I don't I don't know why this makes me think of this, but for some reason my mind goes to a very uh, incredible passage of dialogue from the movie The Silence of the Lambs, where uh, Hannibal Lecter is kind of trying to freak out Clarice, and he says, "All those clumsy, sticky fumblings in the back seats of cars." You know, <laughs> it's it's like the Puritan version of that. They're clumsy, yeah, sticky definitely. fumblings in the room with your grandma, right? <laughs> and. And you, okay, so now we're following this fictional couple and Mm -hmm. they've, they've been having, they've gone through their trials, you know, like a tray who having to go through those three gates and never ending story, right? (laughs) They got through, yes, they got through the tube, they got through the sack night. The swamps uh, of sadness. (laughs) The swamps of sadness. (laughs) And they found one, um, Diana, you found one, uh, one other almost Mm -hmm. uniquely puritanical Courting practice, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. After you got handsy, after you tubed, all that stuff, um, it's time to commit. So usually, you know, we would think you get a ring, you put a ring on it. But Puritans didn't wear jewelry. They thought that was real frivolous. And, you know, they were very plain and not adorned. So they were like, jewelry is not our thing. So instead, a Puritan man would give his intended goodie a thimble. And the thimble, she would use and I guess dream over uh, all her (laughs) linens that she would sew and her clothes Mm. that she would sew for her new married life. Uh, And then on the on the day they got married, they would cut the thimble cup off and she would wear the rim as a wedding band. Uh, This is very practical. It's a very practical gift. Don't give it to me, but it's a very practical (laughs) wedding ring if you've got a crafty girl in your life. Wait, so, okay, like, what, you just shear off literally the bottom of this tiny thimble, presumably with some sort of uh, metal, like, shear? Like, how, how do you even do that? Yeah, I guess the blacksmith is at your wedding, and he just brings <laughs> brings a little welding uh, table with him That's or something. I was also strange. like, thimbles are pretty small, a lot of them. I hope they've, I mean, how do you... I guess like while he's there, ring. he like mm-hmm. makes it, he like sizes it right. for you. I mean, people I were don't admittedly smaller back in the Puritan days, you know, right. less, less hormones I mean, if it's, in, the, if in it's the milk. Big enough to fit mm-hmm. over your thumb, it could probably slip around your ring finger, maybe. Well, maybe so, because I mean, it only goes up to the first knuckle of your thumb. And I don't know if that would get over the second knuckle of Puritan your ring women, finger. Puritan women, notoriously huge thumbs. Huge I was going to say, it's. I, I read that in a scientific journal <laughs> right. uh, earlier. It's like the main, like, that's why Puritans left England, right? Because they're huge hands. Yeah. Yeah, they had, their thumbs were like big toes. <laughs> and the rest of their fingers were normal. Yeah. And it's very weird. pissed about that. Yeah. yeah. He was like, I can tell a Puritan <laughs> from a mile away. <laughs> what went we out to this wilderness to find? Acceptance <laughs> for our overly large thumbs. What is that? I like the taste of uh, that. that that's always our, always our touch point for uh, for Puritan <laughs> chat is the uh, the witch, the Vavitch. We, we love what that. What does thou like to live thimbaliciously? Thimbaliciously. <laughs> thimbalicious. That's, that's a great uh, Hans Christian Andersen story, actually. I believe uh-huh. that's correct, yeah. So, so this is, uh, first off, uh, I feel like for anybody listening to this in the modern day, Apparently, as opposed to anybody listening to this from the Puritan <laughs> days, um, this this is pretty instructive because 
uh, it, it feels like the average uh, person in, in, you know, what became the U.S. probably has an easier time dating in general, right? There's no sex unless it's like a very specific consensual thing for that couple, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. You, mm-hmm. you can talk to people post-pandemic. You can talk to people in person, I guess. To that point about the internet, there was definitely a speaking tube vibe as people yes. were kind yes. of pandemic dating. Um but what, so how, how long did this continue? I'm going to have my mind, like, I'm, I'm quitting the show if this is still happening in Boston. I'm just, <laughs> I'm going to lose my mind. Please don't, no, Ben. Please I think, don't. I, I don't know about the thimble thing. Uh, I'm sure that got, you know, tossed aside when uh, engagement rings and jewel rings started to get really popular. Yeah, mm-hmm. damn, beers. Mm-hmm. Um, but as for bundling, uh, it really went out of favor in like the 18th century. Um, they there was a lot of reverends who were like, "This is so raunchy. You're letting the oh. children have their sexual awakenings together, and they are getting they are getting pregnant." And they had like a whole outrage. They wrote poems wait, wait, about so, it. So the, so the board wasn't <laughs> working. They were still getting pregnant. I'm confused. Well, yeah, because remember, sometimes they would go ahead and do it and get. That's why the uh, number of Puritan women who were pregnant when they got married shot up to forty percent. They would have oh their babies gosh. at eight months instead of nine. And you're like, oh, because you went ahead and jumped that board, I guess. But this was this was sex for procreation, not for pleasure. Like sex for pleasure was yes. right out. And this was absolutely functional sex to make more little Puritans to put out the world. Because they come out fully formed like that. Right. Right. With the, <laughs> with <laughs> fully formed clothes, with the buckles, with the huge hats. thumbs. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, huge thumbs. <laughs> well, so is, they so they yeah. they stopped this because Tying some up in a sack, putting them in bed together and putting a board between them was encouraging sex too much. Somehow, yes. <laughs> Somehow, yes. All right. <laughs> I get it. But it puts a whole new meaning um, to wood in bed. Max, thank you for that. Thank you for that. But don't... Whatever uh, that was, uh, it was great. Uh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you worked on that. Did you work on that one off air? No. Okay. <laughs> no, Max. Max. It would have been better if I worked on it. Right. <laughs> so, with this, with this in mind, then uh, first, I don't know about you all, but I have definitely gained uh, a greater appreciation for what uh, what Puritan couples had to go through. I mean, let's also, you know, not forget that they were doing this amid the constant threat of starvation, violence, right. and disease. And devil yeah. possession. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's pretty, pretty impressive. I and mean, doctrine attacks. aside, you know. And I'll say the women wanted to keep bundling. <laughs> the women specifically were like, uh, if we don't bundle, then we won't have any fun until our wedding day. <laughs> And I was like, oh, wow, these I Randy see. Puritan ladies were like, let me get handsy before I thought I it was the commit. other way around. I thought they wanted to protect <laughs> themselves against handsiness. But uh, no, it's, it's, the all, it's all the it was all the male reverends who were like, oh, this is really too much for me. And the women were like, I like this. I like trying to figure out if I want to actually see this guy every single morning or if we, you know, if we have no chemistry, if we if I, he wakes up and I'm like, ugh, 
so sick of this dude after eight hours. Like, it's nice to know. <laughs> well, there's actually an interesting parallel in the story that I'm going to do, which we'll save for, for the next episode. But um, in terms of like this being somewhat progressive, uh, right. of what you would think that Puritans would be Ooh. like. Uh, right. So it makes sense that like the, the reverends did eventually kind of walk it back. But for a time, I would argue this is a pretty progressive, a sexually progressive, you know, oh, ritual. Yeah. It was. It yeah. kind of was because, it, again, it went out of fashion when the idea of women being uh, asexual and pure and like we, mm. you know, no, sex is literally functional. We don't have any reaction to it at all. It's all for the baby part. That kind of ideal started to grow in the 18th century. So that's when it went away. I guess in this point they were still like, oh, well, there's still human beings and they have, you know, a a reaction <laughs> to being rubbed up on. And then some reverence <laughs> like, woman, control thyself. And they right, do the, exactly, like, exactly. I, I picture like the um, flappy arm inflatables. Oh, sure, yeah. At, at car dealerships. <laughs> did you know those were invented for the Atlanta Olympics, apparently? Yes, I did. Oh, wow. <laughs> what a weird, weird thing. You, you see, like, they had to figure out what to do mm -hmm. with them afterwards. You know, they, they made them like in this <laughs> massive array, you know, which yeah. is probably a lot cooler than just a single weird kind of like yeah. dingy one that you see outside mm -hmm. of used car lot but mm. I, I was recently uh clued into that fact it's pretty cool they have strength in numbers that's Amazing. that's how they work uh i don't know why i said that like they're threatening i'm sorry <laughs> they're a little threatening honestly yeah. oh I, we did a sketch about that i forgot yeah, yeah. yeah we sure did i imagine that these reverends the first reverend to have a real problem with it was a guy who got rejected after bundling oh. one night yeah the girl so was like the girl was like oh he's all thumbs i'm not having it <laughs> He bungled the bundle. He and she was like, I'm bundle. not wasting my thimble on this. <laughs> oh, the old bundle bungler. Tale as old as time. Well, Diana, thank you so much for uh, for looking into this one and, and bringing this one to us. I think this is something that I certainly didn't know about. And uh, mm -hmm. I have a feeling that others didn't either. Yeah, I was saying I'm was happy to learn about it because this was a a new one for me too. I thought I was also I'm with you. I thought it was all witches and burning and <laughs> <laughs> prayers and shit. But no, they had sticks and stuff. <laughs> yeah, they had technology. And uh, <laughs> I believe you may be able to see a cinematic reference to this in the Mel Gibson vehicle, The Patriot, uh, where one of the oh yeah one of the uh, characters is is you know he's courting and the the family really likes him and they're like all right we're sewing you into the bag. Heath Ledger, <laughs> isn't it? Oh, yeah. 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 Max is Lydia. nodding uh, intensely uh, with approval here. Yeah. <laughs> Max will, for the record, Diana and Eli, uh, sit for an entire episode knowing a question that Noel and I are fumbling with, only to <laughs> tell us after the episode, like, <laughs> you guys know it's Pensacola. Oh. I'm, <laughs> I'm making Not Pensacola. Pensacola. Yeah, whole time. That was a weird well, we time. were saying Pennsylvania the whole time. We sounded like real asshole. Oh, wow. yeah. It's uh, very uh, far away. And speaking of far away and awkward segues, why <laughs> don't we travel to Mauritania next? This is a bit of a downer, but it's an important story that I, I think a lot of people aren't aware of. Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. 
obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit tomboyx.com. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're returning with the host of Ridiculous Romance, Diana and Eli Banks. Ben, did you just do an ad throw? I did. I think I did. Yeah, yeah. That, is, that, is that our first one? I think it might be. Max is, is yes. once again nodding intensely with approval. Ooh. Yes. Oh, a vocal. Yes. You guys can keep doing them also. It'd be really nice. Okay. Oh. Okay. Hey, no, never. No, sorry. Mm, not going to do it. We're, 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 all... we're already improving the show for Max, at least. <laughs> okay. Don't. Don't go too hard on the honor student vibe, <laughs> you guys. Uh, uh, okay, I guess if we keep it up, we'll have to start wearing ties or something. But while we were on break, and Ridiculous Historians, we hope you had a, a bully break as well. Uh, we were we left off right before we went to uh, Segway, and our Segway takes us to Mauritania and other parts of the African continent to a... a controversial practice that more people should know about uh, called Le Bleu, uh, L-E-B-L-O-U-H. It is also known as Gavage. And we are lucky enough to have uh, to have Eli here today. Eli, you have studied French a bit in the past, uh, <laughs> in your sketchier years. Sure. Uh, are, you, are you familiar with the synonym Gavage? Uh, I am uh, not. No. Oh. Well, that's, <laughs> we didn't get bad. that far uh, it, by my sophomore year at college. <laughs> it's a very specific one. It it would be weird for your professor in college to have like led with this word. Yeah. It's, it's the French term for force feeding geese to create foie gras. Oh, yeah. And of any, you know, mm. uh, foodies out there, I like uh, a good foie gras as much as the next uh, barbarian. But uh, it is really, truly a despicable practice. If you see videos of it, it's, gro it's gross. It's bad times. Um, yeah. You really do have to do a little suspension of disbelief to truly enjoy some foie gras. Once you see the video, though, it's probably hard to ever go back. 
And actually, Ben, I can tell you the reason I didn't know that French word now that you mention it is because I, I'm a lifelong vegetarian and uh, I have to work that into every episode. And uh, <laughs> so I was I was permitted to leave class before we talked about that one. Are you oh, serious? That's, that's no, no. Oh, <laughs> but the lifelong me. vegetarian part is true. Noel, that is and, true. Yeah. And I didn't believe it for like the first two years I knew Eli Banks. I, I thought I, I was I was not to the level where I was one of those annoying people who was like, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> what about the oil? Are you sure? Because that's just so boorish. But um, but Eli, you once described, this has nothing to do with anything, but you once uh, described yourself as a French fry vegetarian. Because I asked you, I don't know if you remember, but God, this must have been a decade ago now. Oh, yeah. uh, I was like, hey, man, you're healthy. How do I and do I said, that? No. No, 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 no. <laughs> being a vegetarian and being a healthy are not inherently linked. There is right. a lot. Cheese pizza and french fries are vegetarian. And that was mm -hmm. most of my uh, age 16 to 28, probably. When you say wow. lifelong, was this because of your family? Like, did you literally grow up vegetarian, like as a small yeah. child? That's My incredible. mom started when she was a teenager and raised me and all my sisters that way. That's really Ooh. cool. And my, my dad is effectively vegetarian at home. He doesn't care. Certainly makes um, it easier for you than like making a switch, you know, in your 30s oh, like me. The way I eat, I never I mean, would I have I haven't changed. made the switch is my point. I, yeah. I, I'm incapable <laughs> of making the switch. No, I never would have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's tough. But this uh, also, to set the record straight, uh, Eli's old man is definitely not a vegetarian. That's an awkward no. misstep I had one time when <laughs> we were out to eat. But, but uh, why are we talking about food? Why are we talking about controversial food practices? It's because of a practice that dates back to the 11th century. Uh, it's primarily known in rural areas of Mauritania, but it occurs in Sudan, in Uganda. It occurs in Nigeria, Tunisia, a lot of places. And it is a practice wherein, as part of uh, the path to marriage and courtship, young women, girls, children from the age of five to 19 are force fed because in some of these communities, obesity is typically regarded as a desirable trait, uh, a body type, a form oh, of wealth. Can we go because back God, to that time? I, I would be cool with that. Well, well God knows, <laughs> you know, um, I don't think it's a controversial statement that uh, Puritan times uh, in the, in the, in the 11th century, pretty much anywhere you look across human history, there are some dudes trying to control women's bodies, right? No doubt, in one no way doubt. or another. They're yeah, like, true. they're like, hey, it's uh, now, like when we were talking about underwear recently, uh, there was this whole thing of like, let's make your butt look like a big balloon, kind of hidden <laughs> by a long dress. Well, certainly, like, certainly. I mean, the same way that it is today, a lot of those ideals of beauty and fashion uh, are driven largely by the, the patriarchy. I mean, that hasn't changed. I mean, it certainly has changed to some degree, but it's certainly still out there in terms of who controls advertising and who controls, you know, the biggest uh, fashion brands. Yeah, this is, so this process is, um, it is a long-term process. You know what I mean? It's not just one unpleasant weekend. The girls specifically in Mauritania are forced to swallow gallons of milk, uh, loads <sighs> of couscous, peanut oil, and then check this out. You'll love this, Eli. Cups of pure animal fat. Uh, this, <laughs> you can see his excitement. Uh, <laughs> we should make this a video show. So there's, there's something crazy here. If you look at the science, 
uh, the one of the most reliable statistics I can find for this is that about every 24 hours, uh, these people are being forced to consume on average 14,000 to 16,000 calories. Jeez. This sounds like the kind of ritual like a method actor would use to fatten up for a role. Yeah, it's Christian Bale, Mm -hmm. hard at work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's how he got started. I don't know. Story for another day. But uh, I'm not sure of his activities in Mauritania, to be honest with you. But (laughs) (laughs) this is... This is literally force feeding because some people, you know, do participate of their own free will. But if there is a young girl who refuses to drink the the crazy amount of milk, like 20 liters of milk a day, then they get subjected to these various punishments, one of which is called toe squeezing. Oh, God. I Mm. I mean, it seems like it's all in the description, but just let's hear it. Let's hear it, Ben. Yeah, it's uh, there's a there's this thing made of sticks that is pinched on the skin, so it crushes the toes. Uh, <gasps> this has, of course, some echoes of the horrific practice of foot binding, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. But it's less permanent because they will be able to recover. Uh, the most common reason that children are forced into this is that the family believes this is the best way to ensure that their daughter is marriageable and has uh, financial uh, financial security and that the, you know, the courting men of the community are able to, uh, will look at them and say like, oh, that's awesome, I guess. We should get married. <laughs> so is this something that starts when they're kids or is it when, like, after puberty or like when are they starting to try to like fatten them up it's pre-puberty for marriage Diana. yeah it is okay it that's like, like it must start it pretty early and it's it's mm-hmm. more of a regiment like a diet than it is some sort of thing for public consumption like this isn't done with people watching where it's like a like a you know eating competition or something right so yeah there are older women who are called fatteners who are kind of the the headmistresses of this process and their their prime like their primary yeah it's not it's not a public spectacle so at least people aren't getting around and you know pointing and laughing and being like haha drink more milk uh which mm-hmm. would just be insult to injury at this point but the thing that's strange about this too is that the people who are subjected to this have about 34% higher odds of being married in this community because it is a, in these areas, and of course, this is not all of Mauritania, nor all of any of the other countries I mentioned, in this area, in these communities, uh, the men will have this belief that a larger spouse will bear healthier children or have a higher chance of doing so. And so they're willing to pay a higher bride price uh, for these people or a, a dowry. I'm sorry, know? bride price? That's the first I've heard of that expression. Dowry, I know. Bride price sounds very uh, callous and kind of like uh, transactional. But I guess that's what marriage was. I don't know why it sounds surprised. Yeah, it's a dowry, you know, is the same thing as a bride price. It's just a different word really, um, for the same practice. So when when we look at this, uh, we know that clearly, right, clearly this can be linked to profoundly harmful 
physical consequences, uh, including stuff like cardiovascular disease. Um, but it's it it's tough to trace the origins of it. But people believe that it dates back to uh, the time when the majority of the population in modern day Mauritania was uh, comprised of nomadic societies. Mm. And so because people were, you know, constantly on the move and maybe food insecurity was just a daily fact of life in a harsh environment, this would have been seen as um, as a status symbol. Well, and they're also getting their steps in at least, you know, so <laughs> that's, that's I, a good thing. I, you know, it's strange because when we read about these kind of things, it's all too tempting to say something like, well, you know, that's something for the dusty footnotes of history. People Mm -hmm. figured out the medical advantages to not force feeding their children. Uh, I'm sad to report that is not entirely the case in uh, in this current age. There are still people who are... Forced to con- consume, you know, that 16,000, 14,000 calories a day, which is uh, more than four times that of a male bodybuilder or male identifying bodybuilder. Uh, and I wanted to, I wanted to throw it, throw it to you all. Like what, what is the situation that it feels very patriarchal, right? Like this, this is now a symbol of my wealth or something, right? Like this person. Um, but why do you think it persists? Well, I sort of have one other question kind of Mm. along that line too, is, is there an economic factor in this? Like, this sounds like a lot of resources going to this. Is this something that only wealthier families can afford? Is this something that, you know, a substantial portion of the population wishes they could be part of and are left out of or vice versa? Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good question. So there is a socioeconomic factor because again, it is, it is seen as uh, for the family of, of you know, for like the, the daughter's family and for the prospective groom, it's seen as a public statement that we are doing well, right? Right. Mm-hmm. right. And so it's kind of like, uh, it's just inherently identified with prosperity. And you can read, um, you can read a lot of articles about this that, give lie to the idea that it's an ancient practice. There's one in Marie Claire from 2011 by Abigail Haworth that really hit home. And I recommend reading it for anybody who wants to learn more. Uh, it goes into detail about the the diet, about how the process begins. Uh, it is a sobering read, uh, but you hear directly from some of these children and you hear directly from uh, some of the fatteners. And one of them uh, identified as El Hassan, definitely sees it as a business. She makes $155 every three months for each girl she force feeds through the program. Oh, and, it's just like a force feeding doula or like a force feeding kind of <laughs> mystic mm-hmm. or something. That's so mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. And uh, she was the, some of the interviewers naturally asked the question like, hey, so I've eaten too much in the past. How do you force children to do this? And uh, El Hassan specifically says, quote, I'm very strict. I beat the girls or torture them by squeezing a stick between their toes. I isolate them and I tell them that thin women are inferior. Wait, is that the same as toe squeezing or is that something different? I think it's a variation on a theme. It's very toe oriented. 
Can I say, and I think a lot of people know this, but Marie Claire, excellent work. Like, uh, they're a source for my story that we'll do in the next episode. But yeah, um, they, they sort of turned a corner. They used to be sort of like kind of a frou-frou tween magazine, I think, when we were younger. But they've actually done some really excellent journalism over the last maybe 10 years or so. Kind of like Teen Vogue. Mm-hmm. Same. Suddenly yes. Got very, real very similar. Amazing. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or, or I'll say it. BuzzFeed News has done some good stuff. True. They got yeah. a Pulitzer. <laughs> they did. They got a Pulitzer. But they still mm-hmm. do such good listicles. <laughs> yes. I know. You can I have do it still all. love a good listicle. Yeah, exactly. And like a tweet roundup. <laughs> <laughs> BuzzFeed's like, we can have it all. But uh, th- here's another thing I thought, because this is a very serious thing, and it needs more awareness. Mm. Um, and, you know, there's a whole conversation about cultural imperialism, right? Telling people uh, not to practice their traditions or something, but there's also the importance of informed consent. There's importance of protecting people's health and their right to choose what they want to do. One of my first questions, I can't be the only one thinking this, is uh, how did the guys get off so easy? You know what I mean? What's that conversation like where they're like, we're fattening up our children to show how successful we are and I'm marrying this person because she was forced to gain weight to show how successful I am. Has nobody ever said like, okay, cool. What, what, what about you? Wouldn't, mm. what, wouldn't yeah, it be a status symbol? Doing? Then when you, you said, yeah. how did the guys get off so easy? My mind went instantly to the gutter. Yeah. <laughs> just, that's just guys for you. You know, it's just easier. <laughs> Um, but no, it's true. And that's the thing we, I mean, you know, you, you really don't see many, uh, societies that put the same, you know, um, prohibitively ridiculous strictures on dudes as they do on women, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it's a sad fact of humanity, it seems, but, uh, there it is. Yeah. And younger people for their part in Mauritania are, uh, less into this practice, less approving of it as time goes on. Mm. But there's still, you know, one thing we know is that body image or what is considered attractive from one culture to the next is not constant, right? There have been mm-hmm. uh, er- eras of history where the sexiest thing you could have is like totally blacked out teeth. Mm-hmm. And or that like was a so- really solid unibrow. Or a, and that still happens. The unibrow is still a thing. Yeah, the huge. unibrow is still a thing. For sure. <laughs> I would, yeah, I'm a fan. Like, I, you know, I, I make you no know, judgments. I think there's nothing wrong with a with a good brow. Uh, but this this gets us to this gets us to maybe where we, we start to sew up or bundle uh, part of this episode. <laughs> because, well done, Ben. Well done. Thank you. It's you know, seg- segues, callbacks. We got them all. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And sound effects. Max, hit us with one. Just random. You bastard. Is what Max is thinking. (laughs) Genius. (laughs) So this this issue is, is something where you could argue that cultural imperialism can be harmful because if you ask people, you know, men or women, however they identify, like what, what an attractive body type is, then you'll see cases where uh, people are genuinely appalled uh, by a female figure that they feel is uh, too skinny. They say like, oh, they look sick or they look like they have liposuction and it ranges to mockery. So it's, it's tough to see how, how to fix this. And I think it's an interesting counterpoint to what we hear 
often in the West where so many kids, uh, so many young women grow up feeling like they're not good enough because they don't have the, you know, the typical like skinny or hourglass body type that's that's here. I don't, I don't know what the yeah. solution is. Well, that's what I was about to say, because it would be like really hard to want to bring our thing about being thin and giving, you know, bringing mm. a whole other eating disorder possibly to the <laughs> to the people of this community and stuff by shoving our own unhealthy, you know, body body shaming practices mm -hmm. on them. And uh, I don't know. I just think that would be a hard line to walk to be like, what's healthy, you know, depending on the diet of where you are and like the climate. I mean, there's so many factors that affect how you develop over time as, as a as a community. I don't know. It would just be really hard to be like, let's send them some Marie Claire's and see what changes. Maybe they'll get into thigh gaps all of a sudden. I'm like, oh, I don't want that. <laughs> and it's so interesting, you know, I have a 12-year-old daughter and I mean, you know, with the internet and the kind of democratization of information, the availability of like literally everything that's ever been out there throughout history, um, it's still like so toxic the way body image is just pushed upon young girls in particular and how trippy would it be to be like oh if only i were 30 pounds heavier you know and mm -hmm. for that yeah. but, but at the same time when you look at it on a long enough timeline it really is just different strokes for different eras kind of you know and it's like we associate skinniness and you know all of this body image stuff as being that's of course what is attractive but that can absolutely change depending on the culture and depending on the time that you're living in and I think it it ties into the the image where I I see people trying to break down now of ascribing one body type to healthy, right, and and another body type to not, whereas that's going to be different per individual. Really, mm -hmm. that I don't think force feeding anyone is going to be a healthy habit, no matter how you do it. But neither yeah. is you know would we kind of force starve people here in sure. You know, I mean, force any cultural is way usually seems like a bit of a red flag. Right. Yeah, that's that's one of the that's one of the biggest things because if it were something where it seemed as though the entire the entirety of a community was kind of into it, uh, and these children weren't like being beaten, being forced, and then uh, try literally trying to run away from these fattening camps, then that would be that would be a different conversation. And I know that's you know maybe not as not as funny as somebody squeezing an apple under their armpit for the entirety of a dance. That's another weird one. If you search, if you uh -huh. search the internet, that's I the first one you'll see. Austrian, Sweat-soaked right? apple. Mm -hmm. I think that's right. I had a hard time finding enough information about that one to warrant a whole conversation, but it's definitely on a few listicles uh, mm -hmm. of these uh, these weird courtship rituals. But yeah. God, these two, I mean, we mm -hmm. always do this where we have like a, a couple of guests on. I think we've done it with Miles and Jack from the Daily Zeitgeist. So it's like, like hey. oh yeah, we'll bring two a piece. And then mm. one a piece ends up being more than enough for like two episodes. So yeah. <laughs> I think we found our way to the end of part one of mm. Ridiculous Courtship Rituals with Eli and Diana of Ridiculous Romance. Thank you guys so much for, for joining us. And gosh, can't even imagine what the second episode is going to be like. Mm -hmm. Spoiler, spoiler, to go back, 
the thing is that if the girl in Austria likes you after she's dancing with the apple under her armpit and you like her, then you have to eat the apple slice and pretend it's there's nothing grody. I was going to say, babe, would you eat an apple slice that I kept under my armpit for the entirety of um, WAP? If that was the rule of courtship, (laughs) I would be celibate for life. Oh, Oh, wow. wow. (laughs) Okay. That's all I I see how much you love me. That is fine. (laughs) You won't even eat my sweat-soaked apple slice. Justify (laughs) that is. Yeah. <laughs> it's not oh. on the table. That's okay. Well, I wouldn't eat your sl- sweat-soaked apple slice either. I if you ate my apple soaked in sweat, I'd leave. You'd be like, we That's can't ever much. dish. <laughs> so honesty is the key to any good relationship. Yeah. And a good relationship is the key to uh, any excellent podcast, I would argue. So as, as we said at the top, please do go check out Ridiculous Romance and come back to Ridiculous History even if you like their show better, to check out part two (laughs) of uh, Weird Courtship Rituals. Uh, Diana, Eli, where can people learn more about the show and your work? Well, you can find us on anywhere you get your podcasts. You can find Ridiculous Romance. You can also reach out to us uh, at our email address, romance at iheartmedia.com. Or you can find us on the Twitters and the Instagrams. Mm -hmm. Uh, My handle is at ohgreat, it's Eli. And I'm at Diana Might Boom, and we're at Ridic Romance as well. If you just want to follow the show and keep up with episodes and memes and stuff, we we have that one too. Yeah, you guys do a really great job with your social media account, just at um, Ridiculous Romance. Um, we do a piss poor job on ours. It's literally just uh, <laughs> images of the new episodes. So kudos to you for that. <laughs> wow! Thanks, Bill. <laughs> thanks <Kudos>. so. <laughs> no, no, it's all, we're being honest. Um, this we're not. This is no smoke. Uh, we want to thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Of course, as always, thanks to our super producer, uh, Max Williams. Uh, Noel, uh, thank thank you, man. This is I. I'm excited for part two because the five of us know what's on the horizon. So mm-hmm. we're not gonna we're not gonna spoil it too much. I hope uh, because we want everybody to tune in, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, you can find our Instagram um, at Ridiculous History, but if you want a little more maybe dynamic content, you can find Ben and I as individuals. I am at How Now Noel Brown on Instagram. You can get a behind the scenes look at my various misadventures and rabbit holes of research at Ben Bolin in a burst of creativity. There are also adventures, though. It's not all misadventures, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, under promise, over deliver. Fair, fair. That's at Ben Bolin, B-O-W-L-I-N on Instagram and at Ben Bolin, H-S-W on Twitter. Uh, Thanks, of course, as always to our own, you know, we almost sabotaged you, Eli and Diana. We have a nemesis. You've heard the name, mm-hmm. Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. Oh, the yeah. Quister. We didn't oh, want yeah. to do that to you. We sort of to a Voldemort-type figure. We, we typically <laughs> try not to use his name. We, we just recorded <laughs> in the studio for the first time, and he was in the building, so we had to whisper his name. Oh, like scheming around. Yeah, Beetlejuice figures. rules on the show, so mm-hmm. we try not to say his name three times. But, uh, but with that... Since we've already, I think, reached two times, maybe saying his name. Let's let's. Uh, what do you say? We uh, we hit the podcast road from now. We'll be back this Thursday to hear even more weird courtship rituals. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream, through winding passageways, rolling vineyards, and castled hills, into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.